Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> you get pumped in some of Europe's finest cities. That's what many young men want these days. It's Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A podcast with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. You. The man, the myth, the legend, Chris Hennage. Evening. And of course, Statman Dave. Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone doing after a momentous Champions League draw? All of our teams are in it. They're boring. A bit boring? What do you mean? Yeah. Super Probably exciting, isn't it? Benfica, Basel. Are you not happy with the draw? I thought Manchester no, I fans want, were absolutely I want, delighted. I want Bayern Munich, I want PSG, I want all the big dogs. Yeah, well, that's what Spurs have got. Yeah, you got a well good draw. Here's Dortmund the... and Real Madrid. I'm, ex- I'm pretty excited, I've got to say. I know a lot of people are saying, for example, Luke Daw writing in with uh, <laughs> the first question of the week. Uh, how far will Spurs go in the Europa League, he says. Listen, Luke, it's about the Champions League. It's about you've got to play the best teams. It's exciting. All right, we want to go to the Bernabeu. You know, we want to play these teams. We don't want. Who have Liverpool got, Lawrence? Do that right now. I think it's Maribor, Moscow and Sevilla, which isn't a bad group. That's actually quite Absolute a nice... Absolute joke. Look, anyway, we're, we're going to talk about all this. We're going to get into the questions, guys. It's a Q&A podcast on a Thursday, as always. We're going to deep dive into a lot of Champions League questions that you've been sending in on Twitter at the front free. But before that, as always, we've got to name the whole of the week. Uh, the listener who sent in the best review on iTunes and who has earned themselves a box, a six-pack of Ferrero Rocher. Uh, Dave, do you want to give us a little jingle intro this week while I bring up the reviews? Can I, can I just vote that we, we drop this bit every week now? But do you, know, do you know, enjoying that beautiful tune, it just gives me enough time to stall, just quickly bring up the reviews that I forgot to bring up, you know? It's a great tactic, and people get a beautiful jingle in their ears, no, Lars? The problem is, every week we make up such a terrible song that it, it's not a tactic. It's like watching <laughs> Liverpool trying to play their way through a stuck-in defence. Everyone sort of goes, yeah, what something you make? Look, the reviews you know I mean? are here. So, the, the, the conversation is stallless enough, so the reviews are here. Um, how do we know that wasn't a feature? A new feature where I'm an arsehole. A whole new thing. <laughs> yeah, next time I'll just say, Lawrence, complain about something, and that'll give me enough time to stall. It's, it, it just works. I'm not sure um, about that feature. Right, uh, Lawrence, you're going to pick the winner this week. Uh, four reviews. First Finally. up, we've got uh, Fiddler, who just entitled his review, Underrated. 
Um, Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gave us five stars, though. He said, a very underrated podcast. Not only do you have all the footballing knowledge, you also have the personalities and chemistry to make it a great listen. You all have different roles in the podcast, which makes it easy to listen to. Also, the regularity is excellent. Keep it up. Uh, Fiddler there with a great review. Uh, you Nugget. You have different roles. Play those <laughs> roles. <laughs> Nugget fan says, unbiased, in-depth, incredible. Uh, five stars. I found my way to this pod via full-time devils. Thanks, Steve and Dave. There you go. Uh, and can't believe I haven't been listening longer. From the tactical analysis to the mockery of Slavin Bilic, this show has it all. Uh, Only P- United fan could call this show unbiased. Um, but yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, there's a freestyle review. Rare. But we have to uh, have to accept this happened. Uh, content is good, they've said. Sound is bad. Good football chat, but sound quality is terrible. In the last episode, one of the presenters was recording while at a shopping centre or some other public place. A lot of people talking in the background of vehicle noises making it a difficult listen. It's like subscribing to a phone call, not a podcast. That was from Johnny W. And on a similar theme, Joe Sharp 5. In the fucking format, mate. Joe Sharp 5 has given (laughs) us also three stars and said mixed feelings. Audio problems, traffic, and a lot of background and cutting out. Content is good otherwise. So you know, boys, we got some uh, some some freestyle reviews this week. This is a big shock to the system. Um, some people are some people have really got. I mean that. I appreciate what I appreciate what they're saying. I do appreciate what they're saying. It's difficult to listen to a podcast when someone's outside, but at the same time, we try to get everyone on. You know, it's difficult to arrange a time. Some people might be outside. You know, we're trying. Do you know what I mean? But we'll take the criticism. We'll take the feedback on board. Um, I'd also say you could have just messaged in the first place, mate, and maybe dropped it a private. Yeah. Right? Maybe just give it five stars anyway. Exactly. Just give us, <laughs> it's all about the five stars, guys. We love all of your feedback and criticism and comments, but yeah, five stars, come on. Uh, Lawrence, you want to pick a winner? I think it's between Fiddler and Nugget Fan. Uh, Nugget Fan was the one who uh, who pointed out our trademark mockery of Slavin Bilic. Uh, and Fiddler, just gave us uh, some lovely words. You know, I quite liked Fiddler's sort of um, very, you know, straight to the point review. Good analysis. You're going to go for Fiddler? Yeah, unless you're trying to uh, make me go for the other because you know one of them lives in Australia and you don't want to have to send. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that does usually sometimes uh, come into it. But they're both from the UK, so I'm, I'm happy with either. I think you're going to go for Fiddler. You're going for Fiddler? Fiddler. You love a Fiddler. We'll go with you. Uh, do get in touch on the dm slide right in there at the front free on twitter uh claim your pride you've earned it you have earned it mr fiddler uh moving swiftly on to the questions you've been sending them in all day on twitter thank you so much for getting them in first up of course it's all about the champions league today the champions league draw for the group stages was made earlier on uh, a lot of people asking us to rank the british clubs depending on their chances to win the ucl uh I picked Tom here, ex-Recon1, because he was the first person to get that question in. Of course, six British clubs in the Champions League this season. Tottenham, uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City, Celtic as well. Uh, should we rank them on their chances uh, of winning the, the Champions yeah, League? Go ahead. Does Celtic come last, I'm going to assume? Nah, uh, Tottenham no. last, right? Uh, who's last, then, Dave? Tottenham, right? Do you know... Uh, do you really think they've got absolutely no chance? Do you really think all the jokes, all the memes going around now, oh, see you in the Europa League, Arsenal fans, etc. Do you really think Spurs have got no chance of getting out of this group? Just if Pochettino cares as little as he did last year, yeah, there's definitely no chance. I think Dortmund have played some really exciting football in the first few games of the season under Peter Bosch and Real Madrid and Real Madrid. You ain't going to beat them. Um, so it's, I just think Tottenham, they just it's going to be another season where, the, where Pochettino just 
puts like a half-assed effort in the first three games and then just sacks it off in the last three of the group and maybe Aquella really even. puts in a half-assed effort? That's Why would he put in a half-assed pessimistic. Team selection. I just so sometimes he gets it wrong in the Champions League and where he should be playing an extra midfielder, let's say he doesn't. So I'm gonna... I just think, yeah, I just don't, I can't see Tottenham getting out there at all. I want to take an optimistic point of view and say that, you know, this season Pochettino is going to learn his lessons. Uh, as you no say, mentality. occasionally, listen, don't bring up mentality, mate, about around Spurs. You know, I don't like that. Dave, it's a little um, early for that. Come on. <laughs> so keep that, keep that ace up your sleeve, Dave. Keep that ace yeah. up your sleeve. You don't um, want to play the mentality one too early. You want to wait until they're really at a low and then play that one. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Give me an optimistic point of view on Spurs in the Champions League. They're going to rise to the occasion against these huge teams. Are they not? Uh, there's not as much pressure or expectation on them as last time. Yeah, I like it. Keep going. Um, when they played at Wembley the last time in the Champions League, there was this expectation that they should dominate, they should perform, all this kind of stuff. Whereas when Dortmund come, when Real Madrid come, there'll be, I would imagine, this aura of or this vibe of we can't really do anything wrong other than embarrass ourselves, which I don't think will happen. Um, saying that, I don't expect them to get anything out of Real Madrid. I think if they can nick something off Dortmund home and away, then they'll potentially get second. But I think if I'm looking at it, worst case scenario, you'll get Europa League, which I think Man United proved last season is not a terrible thing. Uh, yeah, okay. It was relatively optimistic. Because uh, you need to win something. That's 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 the thing. I'm I'm doing something on Spurs at the minute and mm. <clears throat> and the, what they're missing. And one of the things that's that's not in this piece is they're missing a piece of silverware. And missing yeah. some kind of achievement to know what that feeling's like. So I'd, I'd agree. I was sort of hoping for a, a, a slightly less nightmare draw, only because I think if Spurs had gone far in this competition, if they'd have proved themselves by getting through to the knockout rounds, by beating some of the bigger teams and rising to the occasion, as it were, not that it is silverware, which I agree with you, is something that's needed to as a milestone of the, the progress of this team under Pochettino, but I think that would have almost uh, proved a point in a way to get to the quarters maybe, to the to the semi, something like that. I think you would have uh, seen Spurs sort of earning those uh, Celtic-esque uh, descriptions such as brave and plucky and all this sort of stuff. So I think the narrative would have been more positive than, you know, if Spurs do go out of the group stages here, despite how tough it is, I think it's going to put a negative spin on Spurs again uh, at a difficult stage of the season. But we'll see, we'll see. Um I think there's a chance we'll get out, but it's going to be very tough. At the same time, Celtic have a very tough group themselves, do they not? Do you really think they've got more chance of getting out than Spurs? So you're going to rank them as more likely to win than the mighty Tottenham Hotspur? No, but, but Celtic, Celtic are brave, though, aren't they? That's the difference They're between Celtic and Spurs. Yes, Celtic of course. So I mean, if there was an opt-to-stat for bravery, Celtic would absolutely... They, they would be Scott off Brown the scale. Out of 100 right? out of 100, bravery. Yeah, like there's no doubt that Celtic are the brave team in the, in the tournament. Um, and that, I, but also, I think they're plucky now. They've got uh, Brendan Rodgers. You know, I reckon they could pluck their way to second in that group. Celtic are up against Bayern Munich, uh, Paris Saint Germain, and Anderlecht. Um, yeah, third, fourth place finish for them. As uh, you know, you really ranking that above Spurs to, to win the whole thing? Mm, uh, I, um, sure. Talk to me about. Talk <laughs> no, to me about. <laughs> Jesus, just forget it, lads. We're putting Celtic bottom. Uh, we're going to put Spurs fifth, just because of my bias. Um, Celtic, I think, will you know they'll, they'll put up a fight. They're brave. They're plucky, as you say, Lawrence. Um, but Spurs, Spurs have got to surprise them. I think they're going to surprise people this season. 
Uh, Dave's talking about mentality. Mm. He's uh, he's bringing a very negative vibe to the podcast, but I'm trying to just you know bring a little bit of optimism. And I think Spurs are gonna you know gonna uh, prove a few people wrong. Win the whole thing. Yeah, maybe not that. <laughs> let's not go crazy, Dave. Uh, let's talk about Manchester United. Group A, uh, as you mentioned earlier, with Benfica, Basel and CSK, Moscow. A lot of Manchester United fans happy about this, Dave. Uh, expecting them to sail through to the knockout rounds. You're feeling confident? Yeah, confident. But at the same time, like I mentioned, I, I like the European nights where you've got like the likes of Real Madrid, the likes of Bayern Munich, PSG, Barcelona, That's what it's all about. Atletico Madrid. That's what it's about. It's about the, the good games and, you know, it's not exactly an exciting group, Benfica. You know, they're still a decent side, but United should blow them away. Same with Basel and same with CSK Moscow, who have been pretty rotten um, for the last 12 months. So just one of those things where I was like kind of excited and now I'm just like, oh, you know, we're going to have to wait to the last 16 to get at the exciting time, maybe. Uh, but United are expected to win it and that usually causes them to bottle it. So it's a little bit of a worry in a way because they, now they've got the, the expectation. United are better, at te- you know, better against teams that maybe come onto them um, that don't sit so. Mourinho's deep. not really a bottle job, though, is he, mate? Nah, he's a good manager, Lawrence. He's, he's won it. Yeah, exactly. Won yeah, exactly. So he's field. he's also it's also the kind of thing where uh, you were talking about a Mourinho revolution at United. Surely then he's brought that perfect mix in where it says like, you know, you guys can get through this. It's gonna, you know, we'll we'll beat the little guys. I think the thing they got there is you got we got Manchester United. Sorry, I've got a very big squad. So it'll be good for players to get minutes that, you know, wouldn't usually get the minutes. You know, the likes of Ander Herrera has not started a game yet in the Premier League. So it'll be good to see him get minutes against the likes of uh, Benfica, Basel and CSK Moscow. And they're ready, you know, ready for the, the big games that he will definitely play. And also the likes of Anthony Martial. Um, there's loads of guys there that I'd like to see get more minutes. You know, the young lads too in Zabi. Um, so it's it's a reasonable job, you know. It's reasonable group in a way to almost give people experience. And you know, it's not like PSG, Bayern, where you've got to fight for your life. It's kind of like you know you could cruise through the group, which isn't exciting. I wanted a bit more excitement. Do you think Manchester United, given their summer signings, they've got the strength and depth to uh, compete further on in the competition? As we're saying there, I think people are expecting them to go through. But do you think they're going to compete for the actual title itself? How, where are we ranking them in this this? British six that are in the competition I put them high I put them high because of Mourinho obviously if Mourinho gets to a certain point in the competition it's more than likely that he'll go on to win it so if if United do get to the the quarters they'll probably get to the semis and then they'll probably get on to the final just because that's what Mourinho's like he's he will we will undress the side and and find your weaknesses and take that apart it it is about the the centre halves I think is going to be big for United whether Eric Bay and Phil Jones can continue their form through the whole season or the likes of Lindelof comes in there just needs to be a solid absolute solid pairing there the rest of the team I'm not too worried about I think they could step up the likes of Paul Pogba Lukaku Henrik Mkhitaryan who already has stepped up this season in the Premier League I think there's players there that are on the cusp of real greatness Anthony Martial Marcus Rashford so there's a lot of quality in in the attack in the midfield it's just whether the defence um, can get a real good run of games. And I think Phil Jones, who's been wonderful the first two games, if he can continue that and basically avoid getting injured, if he can stay fit for the whole season, United will go far. If he gets injured and then United need to find another pairing, you know, be it Marcus Rojo, Lindelof, Smalling, Blind, whoever you know is still fit, then I think that's a big question for United because obviously defensively they're going to be without the ball in the latter stages, so they need to be comfortable having mm. no possession. Would you rank them first then or would you maybe rank Manchester City above them, Dave? I drank I rank them above Manchester City. I think Manchester City have got a good squad. I think they will find this group a little bit harder than people are making out. The likes of Napoli play wonderful football. Feyenoord are on the back of an Eredivisie title, what the first in like 
10 plus years. And obviously shattered nets are, you know, fighting against adversity over in the Ukraine. So their stadium got blown up. So there's one of these things where it seems like an easy group for City, but I think that's, you know, a hard group in a way. Well, not a hard group, but it, it's it's one of those ones where you expect them to breeze it and they won't um, in a way. Let's say Manchester Club's top two for now then. Um, Lawrence, what about Liverpool? Uh, Liverpool fans absolutely delighted with this group that they got drawn today. Uh, Sevilla, Maribor, and Spartak, Moscow. Do you think uh, it's going to be as easy as everyone's saying it is? Do you think no. they could potentially be ranked third, fourth in our little, uh, no. our little table here? Uh, I think often when Liverpool get a little bit too comfortable, then again, you go down a similar route. You know, I think the reason that um, Anfield was one of those special nights again the other night was because the manager bantered Liverpool fans out. Um, and Liverpool said, right, we'll return that and um, make a great night out on field. And I think it did rather players in a way. Um, I do think, you know, obviously um, there's a lot of sides who are going to, it's not it's going to be uh, not, not no Liverpool as a quantity because I think a lot of people know what Jurgen Klopp's going to do. But I think that it's very difficult to think of a way to deal with that when you're not used to dealing with that sort of intensity in your own league every week. Um, so I, I think I think teams are probably going to struggle with that press, like a lot of teams um, have done for quite a while, even though some most managers now have maybe looked into how to deal with that. Um, although, I, you know, I, I still think maybe that leaves Liverpool still behind the two Manchester clubs who are going to be looking more, much more controlling games rather than doing what Liverpool did against Hoffenheim and probably against other teams when they look like they've impressed this season. Hmm. Final English club to discuss then is, of course, Chelsea. Uh, reasonably tough group. Atletico Madrid. Uh, Conte v Simeone, very interesting there. Roma as well, and uh, Karabakh in there. Um, what do you make of this one, Dave? I think it's going to be an interesting one. Atletico, obviously, it's the whole Diego Costa narrative. Um, but at the same time, you know, you'd expect that to be a really sort of high octane, aggressive game. Can't wait for Simeone versus Conte in the, um, you know, in the Champions League. It's just going to be fascinating. The four-four-two versus the four-three, uh, sorry, the three-four-three, um, and. I just, yeah, I think it'll be a really good game of, of players and, and matchups. The likes of Murata going back to Spain, the likes of Felipe Luis going back to Stamford Bridge. There's a lot of like narrative in that. And I feel that like could give us two really good games. As well with Roma, with uh, Di Francesco, they're going to be a real unknown qual- quantity in a way. Is Sassuolo team were fantastic, uh, you know, beating the big boys. So it could be a bit of a surprise in that group, you know, maybe. Roma pipping one of, um, you know, probably will be Chelsea because Atletico just know what to do in the Champions League. So it will be, an, I think that's more of an interesting group in a way where there could be a little bit of a surprise. Let's rank our teams and how far we think the British teams are going to do in the UCL. Let's give our rankings. I'm going to go for Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, then Spurs and Celtic last. Um, that's how I'm ranking the British team's chances of winning the whole bloody thing. Dave, give me a ranking. Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester City, <laughs> Chelsea, Liverpool, Celtic. Oh, come on, uh, Lawrence. City, United, um, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Celtic. I feel a bit sorry for Celtic. Every year, they're so brave and they get into that groove. So brave. Just, um, Chris, would you like to? Uh... I, I, I wish they had got into it. I wish they had gone. It would, it would be so good if Celtic could get in with an English team. Oh yeah, that would have been very interesting. Um, Chris, you want to give us your ranking? City United, yeah. Rank L- us off. Liverpool, mm-hmm. 
Mm. Um, Ooh, poor above Chelsea, okay. Chelsea, Tottenham, oh, Celtic. Correct I, answer. The reason, yeah, the, the reason I think Chelsea, just before any of their fans get too annoyed at me, I look at how Conte handled Europe with Juventus, and his problem is he's very... <clears throat> and and me and Loz discussed this in the, the documentary that uh, that he put together for TFR. He was a real pedal to the floor in in like every game. Not in the same way that Ferguson was in '99, where they treat every game as we just need to win this one. It was more he couldn't game manage situations, and so that's why I think when Allegri comes in, they get to the Champions League final um, twice in in the space of a few years. And I have a nasty feeling the same will happen here because he's got quite a thin squad at the same time. I mean, we've ranked the British team's chances there in terms of who we think is going to get further, essentially, and in terms of who's got the best chance to win. But uh, Tapiwa Musa writes in saying, do we think any English team has actually got a chance of winning it? Uh, do they have a chance to challenge the big boys like Madrid, like Bayern, Juventus, Barcelona, Atletico? Or do we think the Premier League is still short of the potential to win this competition? What do you reckon, Dave? Short, I think. A little bit short. I think the quality is definitely not there. I think you you watch the Champions League latter stage of last season, then you watch Premier League games, then you watch Europa League games. There is a big golf in quality. You know, you're thinking Atletico, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, PSG are all going to be, and Juventus obviously, are all going to be head and shoulders above the British sides. But it will be if one of these teams can get a run, if Pep Guardiola can get a run with Manchester City, Mourinho with United, they're the only two real, you know, coaches that could could force a, you know, a team to get to that last stages. Um, do we have a question about winning it, or shall I address that now? In terms of overall winner, yeah. Do we have a question? Make, make a the... make a make a bold pick. Go go for it. So obviously this isn't bold, but Real Madrid three times in a row. If not, it'll be Barcelona. We've been watching Barcelona. How do you do it? <laughs> Over the uh, over the last few days, and I'm really impressed what Valverde's done with it in the defensive sense. And I really think that's what they were they've been missing the last two seasons. Is they defensively are shocking. They're rubbish in the transition. They're not pressing. And what Valverde's instantly brought to this Barcelona team is that aggression and that ability to press the opposition out the back when they've got goal kicks and so forth. So I'm really impressed with Barcelona. I put my mouth where I put my money where my mouth was. Sorry and. Um, Put a bet on them to win the Champions League, which, which I expect to make money out of. <laughs> Put my mouth in the back. <laughs> yeah. It's so a good yeah, shout. Interesting shout. Um, that's if we, we discount Real Madrid, because I think that's like oh, the easy one. Three yeah, times Real in a row. Could they really? Trip play Corona. Just three simple. times in a row. Is that? Yeah. I don't know how you do it. How you do it. <laughs> um, can, we, can we actually go for some outside? shouts here well we've got a question here from Packed Mouse who says who do you think is going to be the dark horse in the Champions League this season are there any shouts for people we think as you say Lawrence are, are going to be a shot going to be a surprise yeah I think they will surprise a lot of people uh, any other potential suggestions RB Leipzig are going to be sick to watch and oh, they'll go far yeah I think uh, people Napoli Napoli uh yeah, I think they've got a good chance of getting out of their group. They've got a good chance of uh, progressing yeah. through to knockout stages alongside Manchester City. I just think they're, they're probably going to become one of Europe. Like as soon as I think the rest the rest of Europe sees them, um, then they'll they'll become people's favourites, and people like a pretty bit of football. I also think there's a couple of sides in there who probably feel like maybe we feel a little inferior to a, a Napoli team. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going to go Napoli. I wouldn't say. I mean, seniors on fire, mate. 
I wouldn't say they're a dark horse, but PSG, Chris, do you think with Neymar now in the squad, do you think they could potentially go the extra step and actually challenge for this thing? I would I would put more money on Napoli and PSG personally. Just be just because I watched PSG at the weekend. PSG. Defensively, they're still a mess. Um, do you talk to me about Leipzig there, Dave? Because uh, some saying they've got a favourable group to, group draw that should see them through to knockout stages. Rasenball Sport Leipzig. They um, will do well. Uh, I think the group, like you said, is a, is a decent group for them. I think they'll do Porto. I think they'll beat Besiktas and they won't end up going to Besiktas, but they'll they'll beat them. Monaco are going to be an interesting one as well. They have yet to recover. Um, their style is yet to recover um, since they lost Bernardo Silva, really. So I think Leipzig could top this group, really. They really do. I think they've they've got this. If you give them a moment or you, you, know, you, you expect that they're not going to come out full throttle against you, they'll completely destroy you. So that could be a really interesting group, group G. It'll be like the hipsters group with Besiktas, Porto and Monaco, but it'll be a very good footballing group. Um, so they could just come out, you know, the likes of Keita, the likes of Feuchberg, Timo Werner, who last season was was unbelievable playing on the left shoulder of the last defender. And every time he seemed to be through, he'd score a goal. So it seems like Leipzig have got a really nice blend. Defensively, obviously, they've they've got uh, Willie Oban, who's now their captain, but he's never been tested at that level. But then he hadn't been tested at Bundesliga level um, last season. So it's one of these things where these players have, have come up with Leipzig and they've all improved together with the club. So I think Leipzig... Champions League, absolutely final. They will get to the last 16 comfortably. Uh, final UCL-themed question is, which managers are we most excited to see go head-to-head in the group stages? Uh, Conte v Simeone, I mentioned earlier. Guardiola v Sarri. Uh, a lot of people seem to be getting excited about. Are there any potential clashes, Chris, uh, that you're excited about? Yeah, sorry, sorry uh, Guardiola for me. I think that's... There's your hipster clash, if anything. Um because of just how I think attractive their teams looking through the, the career and, and more specifically with Sarri and Napoli, how attractive their teams have played. Um, I think that makes it a really interesting one. Yeah, Conte, Simeone is another good shout. Um, the thing I find with these competitions is it's always the one you least expect that, that throws up the most kind of exciting uh, clash. But I think we've been very fortunate with some of the tactical matchups, if nothing else. Dave, any shouts for managerial heavyweight clashes? Well, the the Group G, as I mentioned before, Hassan Hootel versus um, Yardim is going to be a banger. Um, I think I'd quite, I really want to see Zidane versus um, Peter Bosch as well. Dortmund versus uh, Real Madrid, that's going to be really good. As well, you mentioned the Atletico-Chelsea game. That's more going to be a war of attrition. I don't think that's going to be that good a game. Quite looking forward to see Ancelotti versus Brendan Rodgers as well. Um, we thought we'd never see it, but we are going to go and see it, which will be good. So there's so many Valverde versus Allegri, you know, two managers that do like to do like to defend as well as attack. So there's so many. It's like quite an exciting managerial matchup in a way in the group stages. But mm. I just, you know, I would have loved Mourinho versus Valverde or Mourinho versus Ancelotti. Sorry, I'm just being what's the word? Selfish. <laughs> You've got. Uh... Mourinho versus who's the Basel manager? Exactly, do exactly. You don't even know any of them. God, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, Raphael Wiki. Come on, Dave. Mourinho v Wiki. You're not looking forward to that? That's a big Jesus. one, actually. I didn't, think, I didn't didn't consider that. Oh, thank you, Google. Um, let's move on from the Champions League question, guys. We're all very excited about it, um, but there's plenty. Well, thank to talk you, about Wiki. Week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Um, a question about Liverpool, Lawrence. Um, two questions for you. Uh, first from Alan Tobin, who says, I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts on the importance of Mane to Liverpool. Uh People raving about his performance in that second leg v Hoffenheim saying Barcelona should be going for him, not Coutinho. Yeah, I mean, don't shout it. Um, he was good. He was very, very good. I mean, Mane has been a driving force for Liverpool for quite some time now. It's pretty much since he came Mane's to ruined the game. Been... Yes. All right. <laughs> um, we're not on copy 19 now, Chris. Um, I mean, it is... It's clear that Liverpool need those kind of players to be able to play uh, the Jurgen Klopp kind of football. But I think with Mane, there's another element to it. Oh, I think he's very obviously exploiting his pace at the moment against a lot of sides. Um, and I think I think uh, Nagelsmann said something along the lines of it looks like he's got. Well, you'd need a player with a a, a jetpack on or something like that to catch up with him. Um, and so it was it was interesting to hear. Uh, what their perception is. I think he's a very technically uh, gifted player. Not only that, I think he's got the finishing. So as he does begin to slow down, I think there's going to be more aspects to his game than that. I also think Liverpool probably will struggle to keep hold of him when um, when bigger teams come calling. And the main reason is he's expressed in the past that he wants to be named African Player of the Year, um, which, which probably will be tricky at Liverpool if they're not playing at the very top table or performing at the very top table consistently. However, a great thing for him is, you know, he's he's part of um part of a team that is quite driven, and he does seem to be one of the many driving factors. The only problem is he's not going to be able to play maybe the beautiful football or the the uh, constant uh, maybe more aggressive possession based football that might win him that uh, sort of uh, accolade. So. Yeah, I, I, I do think someone like Barcelona will come in for him in the end. Um, and I'm not quite sure why no one sort of tested Liverpool over it. Um, he looks very happy at Liverpool. But it, I've got to admit, yeah, it is unusual. Why, why would you not go for someone like him? Uh, another Liverpool-themed question here from Karim Karras, who says, who from Liverpool's front three great podcast, and he's actually written great podcast, which I really rate, uh, will score the most goals this season? Who of that front three? Well, hashtag GP. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'll do the job. Uh, who's your uh, who's your pick for the uh, top goal scorer for Liverpool? Uh, good question, actually. Um, I think, I mean, I, I think it'll be Firmino overall uh, on penalties again this season. Um, looking like he's working well or better with um, Mane and Salah. Uh, Mane will push him close, but I think he'll go Firmino. And obviously, when if Coutinho re returns, then I think it's definitely Firmino who's top scorer for Liverpool this season. Let's move on to a great question here from 
backs Tom, who says, will there be another Zlatan bet? Hashtag Zlatan bet. Now that he is back. Adam Ball at Snapman Dave. Hashtag, we want to see someone blonde. Um, great question, Tom. Uh, what is the current situation with the, uh, the Zlatan bet, Dave? Because uh, as we told our viewers, our, our listeners a few weeks back, uh, for professional reasons, you're refusing to, to bleach your hair. Is that, is that correct? This is correct, Adam. Unfortunately, opportunities arise and you can't throw those opportunities oh, away. Bleached um, hair would close certain doors to you. Is that what you're saying? Do MUFC TV really not? They MUFC love bleached hair, really mate. Have you seen what Pogba blonde? does to his hair? They'd love to have you bleached on there, mate. That's a really good point, actually, Adam. Yeah. You're not having this, Dave? Extra sponsorship revenue, mate. Just think of it <laughs> that way. Yeah, you can shave anything into that, yeah. Dave, what, what are we saying? Are you donating the money to charity now? Is there some sort of other forfeit that you're going to do that's mm. not visible on camera? What, what, what are we saying? Probably some sort of uh, friendly donation to a good charity out there, I'd say. I think what we need to do is we need to put it to a vote once again. How humiliating. <laughs> on the front three. We need to say, you know, let's let them decide. It's either... A donation to charity, which I think is is a lovely gesture, or a, another forfeit. We have to come up with some other forfeit. That was the bet that was made. Or, Hands were shook. Or you know. Or can I first forward? Maybe if you can't if you can't visually humiliate yourself on MUFC TV, then we have to give you a challenge to get some words in on the show. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Song titles, etc. And uh, um, it's. Yeah, but at that point, it sort of goes, uh, or when they say, Dave, welcome back, we're doing the greatest player of all time, and you just sort of go, yeah, I'd like to put forward Steven Gerrard. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, he's gone rogue. There's got to be some other thought. We'll have a think. We'll have a think. Um, maybe the viewers, the listeners could uh, could tweet in suggestions for alternative forfeits that don't involve any sort of, you know, temporary or permanent uh changing of appearance that may preclude Dave from any professional <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll put it up to a vote, I think. It's the only way to decide it because, you know, hands were shook, Dave. Uh, we, need to, we need to make a decision one way or the other. I'm not doing double or nothing on this bet. Absolutely no way I'm getting involved in another slat hand bet after my close shave last season. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we can come up with some other shave, bet. Eh? I'm sure we can come up with some other. Yeah. We're very <laughs> Light bulb. Um, well, let's talk to me about Zlatan Dave. Talk to me about Zlatan Dave. Obviously, re-signed uh, for the club on a one-year deal. Anyway, uh, wearing the number ten shirt, announced it with a very interesting uh, image on Twitter. The man himself seemed to be himself as either Jesus or God, arm wrestling the devil himself. It, very strange. I, I didn't quite see the relevance there. But he's back at Manchester United. Was that confusing nonetheless. imagery? Was that confusing imagery? It's it's anyone else sort of arm slightly. wrestling his own club? Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dave? Was that, was that meant to be uh, Ed Woodward? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. But, I mean, you're happy, Dave? So it's, it's actually the, his Champions League demons. So this season, he's going to win the Champions League with Manchester United. That's how much of an impact deep, that he's going for. Very deep. He's going to go absolutely ham. In terms of Zlatan last season, he obviously was a big part of Manchester United's attack whenever no, Zlatan no. scored. Well, back to 2013. United won, um, you know, in terms of the, the minutes he played, 3,847 minutes. He was directly involved in a goal every 104 minutes, scoring 28 goals and getting nine assists. But think about the performances that he put in, the likes of Saint-Etienne that he blew away alone, uh, Southampton in the League Cup final when United was so out of sorts that day. Um, you, you know what sort of impact that he could have on, on the club. You consider the tactical reasons as well. 
why people were criticising Zlatan because United were really poorly balanced in the final third last season. Nobody was making the runs if Zlatan was dropping deep. You're thinking there were midfields of Mkhitaryan, Pogba, um, Juan Mata, Wayne Rooney and Zlatan and, and there was no one making the running behind. So it's kind of like, yes, there were issues with United's attack, but it wasn't all foot on Zlatan's shoulders. And when he missed chances, United would lose games, you know, the or draw games, should I say. You know, you think about the, you know, the West Ham's and Burnley's and things like that. You know, Zlatan missed a load of chances, but also those keepers had like absolute great games. You're thinking Tom Eaton, some of the say, I think he made like 10 saves in that game, which is incredible for a goalkeeper. But then as, in that same game, one matter hit the post from about, you know, from the penalty spot. Um, so it's one of these things where Zlatan's impact will be good for the club. It'll be an uplift and it's, lo- it's looking like he's going to be back in October. So what a boost that'll be for United. Hmm. Uh, do you think that's going to be uh, the potential addition to the squad that's going to see them win the Champions League, Dave? They're going to do the double, they're going to do the treble, they're going to win it all? No, they need to um, oh. sort out their left-back, I think is the big problem at the moment. I think it can be Luke Shaw, and you look around Europe and there isn't that many good high-calibre left-backs that are available that would want to move. You know, you're thinking that uh, Mendy would have been the only one that could they could have got this summer, and obviously he's gone to Manchester City. Apart from that, there isn't that much quality at the moment. Left-backs are really interesting, and, and right-back, to be quite honest. There isn't that many good young players coming through at that level. So United already have a young left-back, so they might as well spend the time and work with Luke Shaw. But it's kind of like Luke Shaw needs to step up and really want to compete in the Champions League. He needs to become an attacking outlet. And that's something that we've not seen from Daily Blind, or we won't really see from Matteo Darmian, that they'll be as good as having a winger. They'll be like a Carl Walker for Tottenham or a Danny Rose for Tottenham. Danny Rose is the other one that United could maybe acquire, but then I'd also say... Has Luke Shaw got a higher ceiling? 100% yes. So it's one of these things where United maybe need to spend a bit of time, Mourinho especially, just to you know work with Luke Shaw. Mourinho's comments on Luke Shaw have been very positive this season. He's very happy with how he came back from you know his injuries, worked very hard. So it's all looking good. Luke Shaw played for the under-23s last week. It's all so open for Luke Shaw to really take the, the number three jersey off Eric Bay, give Eric Bay number four, and then be a good left-back. Because I hate this numbering. Number two and number three is centre-backs. That makes me sick. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're all very upset about it. Um, right. <laughs> here's the next question from uh, Ben Fleming, at Ben Fleming 293 on Twitter, who says, thoughts on the latest England squad? What do you reckon, Chris? Uh, the inclusions of Chalaba and, I believe, Harry Maguire seem to uh, have been exactly been welcomed warmly, let's say. I think that's hard from Harry Maguire. I think he's been really good. Um, Hall obviously went down last year but I thought he was fairly reliable I think he's actually really good for Leicester in what is a small sample size I admit Shalibur I'm not surprised about because Southgate said to be a really big fan of him and that actually influenced his decision to, to leave Chelsea in the first place was an attempt to break into the England squad I personally haven't seen anything to suggest that he's he's much of a game changer um, he is only 22. I, for some reason, before this, we thought he was a little bit older, but no, he's, he's only 22, and and he'll see out this year as a 23-year-old. So he's, he's still very young. Um, I'm just slightly concerned that situations like that lead to the idea of favoritism or lend to the idea of favoritism, and I never think that's healthy with a national team. We also have to talk about Wayne Rooney, um, of course, uh, announcing his retirement. Uh, earlier this week from international football so uh, we obviously want to treat this with the respect and reverence it deserves Uh, unfortunately any question we got in about Wayne Rooney was from uh, our good friend John Shin who says uh, what is your favourite Wayne Rooney tweet 
So uh, that's the uh, avenue we're apparently going to have to go down with this. Uh, John puts uh, hashtag. I'll put you to sleep, you little girl. Yeah, it's got to be. I'll put you to sleep ten, in 10 seconds, you little girl. Don't say things and not back them up. I'll be waiting. I think he tweeted that to himself as well by accident instead of, I don't think he'd got the hang of the replies yet. Yeah. Um, do you want picking up in the morning, Rio Pal? That's an all-time classic. Come on. Uh, I, I, you know what? It's got to be It's got to be that threat to himself. You can't get better than that. There's a really good one. Uh, is it Wayne Rooney's tweet of the day that, uh, who died? Um, she's a famous singer. Whitney Houston, isn't Whitney it? Whitney Houston. Um, yeah, he was quite broken up. Whitney that. Houston, yeah. Uh, and it goes, Whitney has passed. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny. Whitney has passed RIP. You will live on forever. Can't believe it. I, I want to run to you. <laughs> Which wasn't her song, was Can't it? believe this. Just uh, he, it, The best thing is even Tenga. He just finished it. It's so funny. He then just finishes it with an app symbol, which is completely unneeded. That's I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. There's a good one here that's just three words um, from July 27th, 2012. It just says, Mr. Bean, funny. That's it. Very popular tweet. I mean, it's not wrong, to be fair to him. Um, yeah, can I just say, someone's also in, someone's put in Andre Gray's reply, well, not reply, but also the same thing night, the night that uh, Whitney Houston died. Andre Gray tweeted, RIP Whitney Houston, ledge, spelt ledge end. Ledge <laughs> but, end. But weren't surprised of her death. Don't know anyone who is. She's a raving crackhead. Just saying. Well, that's not his most offensive tweet, let's be fair. From a, a <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll go for, uh, put you to sleep in 10 seconds because, you know, big threat to himself. It's all very confusing, but it's his greatest ever tweet and perhaps his greatest ever moment. Um, Dave has unfortunately had to leave us, um, but don't fear, we're going to press on. We've got a few more questions hey, to get through. Uh, myself, Chris and Norris are still here. Here's a great question I from a uh, long-time listener, Ahmed, Ahmed Yusuf, who says, on a human level, uh, what might affect a £100 million plus transfer? What does that do to players as young as Usman Dembele, Maybe Kylian Mbappe. I'm not sure if he's moving this summer. Remember, every mistake is gift. It's memed and shared to mock nowadays. There's a lot of pressure that comes with those price tags. Uh, Usman Dembele, of course, reportedly on the verge of completing his move to Barcelona for, I believe, £110 million. Uh, aside from all the other issues surrounding a transfer like that, Chris, what sort of, what sort of pressure, what sort of uh, way does this affect potentially a player uh, as young as Dembele. As someone that's never made a professional transfer, uh, I feel firmly placed to discuss this. I, I think it, it depends Yet. entirely on the individual. That's that's very true. Um, it depends entirely on the individual. I th- I've spoken to players who have admitted, admittedly, have admitted after retirement that yes, it does weigh on you, and you are sort of dogged by it a little bit. But at the same time, I know there's also players who have no care or concern for it because to them they don't see it as their decision um i think the the thing with transfers i don't think we've ever seen a jump this significant in one window it felt like that a little bit i think with paul pogba but then you had the bill deal you had ronaldo suarez all in that ballpark that could theoretically be compared I don't think you can say that about Dembele and, and Mbappe deals because these are well over 100 million. And the figure has fluctuated from 
120 to 140, 160, even 180 for, for Mbappe. So I think it's it's likely to weigh on the mind a little bit. The, the difficulty is, because we're broaching new ground with these figures, how do you really quantify what is a good deal when a player costs 160, 180 million? Because we talked in many years gone by of how much Messi would cost, and it was around those figures. So do you look at it through the lens of, well, you have to replicate Messi's numbers in terms of goals and assists, or is it down to achievement in the same way that Neymar has been bought by PSG to help them try and win the Champions League? I think you can you can define it in whatever terms you like, um, but I think finding a consensus is probably not an impossible. Yeah, uh, I think as someone with zero experience of these uh, of these transfers personally on a, on a human level, Christian, well to answer that, uh, very well done. Um, final question uh, of the week is a big one, it's a long one uh, from another long time listener, long time friend, Harsh Singal, who says, deep breath. So I have a friend who recently told me she wanted to get into football and generally become a fan, but didn't know where to start. And so I honestly told her that the best way to get into football and know what is going on around the world is to listen to your podcast and nothing else. Interesting advice, Harsh. I'm not sure it's the best advice, but I appreciate Shut it. Out. Um, only at TF3 will you get to understand the nuances and political, economical, and social issues that are integrated into modern football, and at the same time understand the true complexities of tactics that go into it and the evolution of the said tactics, while also getting familiar and understanding the ongoing banter, not only among the speakers to this podcast, but also generally in the footballing sphere. And I would also like to direct a question to you, lads, that she asked me, and I hope you can shed light on it for her. She asked me, if you're not born into supporting a club, how do you go about deciding what club you want to support? Any suggestion, guys? Also, a shout out for her would really make her day. Her name is Kritika, and I really do hope you can please bring this up on the next Q&A podcast. I really don't even need to be whole of the week. Um, good shout, because we already decided that. So, uh, yeah, Kritika, uh, thank you so much for your question. It's a great question. Uh, as someone who's not born into supporting a club... How do you decide who to support? How did you do it, Bob? Nowadays, it's... Uh, uh, my dad told me, you support Spurs. So, uh, do we really have a choice? Yeah. I think that's the way it, it yeah, goes for a lot of people in our generation. Yeah. We all just support the local thing. Yeah. So, but, but nowadays, with it being so much more of a global sport, with it, you don't need to support a team in your local area in order to follow them, in order to, to watch every game, in order to even go to games. Do you think there's a, a process that has to be followed anymore for, for picking out a sport or football club? I know there's a lot of sort of negative tags applied if you just sort of pluck the most successful team, etc., in the most successful leagues. But, you know, that's the world we live in now, surely. It's going to be the Pick most visual, sort of, they're going to be the most uh, easily available or easily accessible teams if they're successful. Maybe you're lucky and you sort of get like, I know you get a team in the time when you, um, when they're good and it's not about, you know, sort of um, their success, maybe and you probably have a completely different appreciation then as a fan rather than going for a successful thing, more of a sort of, you know, um, they're nice to watch kind of thing. Or you can ask someone, uh, you know, you basically watch as much football as you can and then work out who you like the most um, and work out what maybe you think you're, you want. Yeah. From a football team, you know, there's, there's sort of moral values yeah. that some people impart, et cetera, et cetera. Try it. I did it with NBA. Yeah, there might be players that you like. There might be styles of football. 
Yeah. Oh, there well, you go. That's Chris, a good show. Chris, you had to pick an M- Chris, you had to pick a, an MLS team, didn't you? So how did you do that? Um, well, originally I just applied myself to the one that was local to me when I first went over, which was DC United. But I found it difficult to get invested in them. Um, and then I worked with New York Red Bulls a little bit, and think that's the thing. I think it's difficult unless you've got the commitment to stick with it. Um, like, I mean, you talk about the NBA. I'm I'm slightly more invested in the Knicks because my girlfriend's a Knicks fan, so it's it's easier because you have dialogue with someone about it. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't I don't envy anyone trying to pick because you're you're trying to. Essentially, you're trying to nurture what is quite a natural feeling for the likes of us. Um, and I don't mean that in a patronizing way. Go with your gut. Um, yeah, I would, I would do that. I would, I would watch theoretically as much as you can and then see what grabs you, see what really interests you. Yeah. Which team, sort of on a subconscious level, do you want to win? Which team do you start falling in love with? Is it the players, the style of play, etc.? Um, just watch a lot of football. And, and choose whoever you like. Choose whoever you have a connection with. Just make sure it's not Manchester United. Right. So, uh, yeah, for, for the love, love of God, God. I'll never pick Manchester United. Just... Um, guys, that does bring an end to the Q&A podcast once again. Thank you so much for listening. So many great questions this week. Uh, apologies if we didn't have time to answer yours. Uh, we'll try and get around to it next week. If it's still relevant then, you can always send the new questions at the front free on Twitter on a Thursday. Uh, also, congratulations to Mr. Fiddler. Uh, the uh, call of the week is great with you. Thank you so much. Dave's, Dave's um, not here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, remember, if you want to claim those, uh, Roger, just slide into the DMs uh, claiming. I mean, there might not be too many people claiming the name Mr. Fiddler, but you know, if you want those, Roger, you're going to have to. Uh, remember, if you want to be whole of the week, all you have to do is submit a review of this podcast on iTunes. The link is in the description. Uh, five stars, preferable, but we appreciate all feedback. Let's be honest. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening Crazy. once again. Chris, until Monday, where can the listeners find At the front three, pretending to be the rest of you. Yeah, so selfless. If, well, you, if you ever see yeah. any tweet where there's some clever wordplay or, you know, if there's something actually, you know, quite clever it's going. so great to watch guess. people um, guess that it's someone else when it's not. <laughs> it's like, hmm, this is definitely Typical Adam Baldwin. Typical Baldwin with a smart like, I, don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. Here, Wrong mate. again. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah. I just say it was me. No yeah. one's ever no one's ever tweeted that. Fire, mate, as always. No, ever. Um, Lawrence, where can the uh, where can the listeners find you? At the front three, pretending to be Kristen. Mm, very good, very good. Uh, you can find me at the front three, um, pretending to be Kristen as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We will see you on Monday for the weekend review. Until then, have a bloody great weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.